Welcome, everybody, to Big Goose in the Trans Podcast. <laughs> Wide eyed. Getting going here. Um, I am very excited for this episode of the podcast because we're going to be spending an inordinate amount of time talking about the upcoming 148th Run for the Roses. Uh, this Saturday, one of the biggest sporting events in the world is going down. Greatest two minutes in sports, baby. Gotta love it, man. We're, of course, not talking about football for once. We're talking about the Kentucky Derby. And uh, <laughs> it is a beautiful thing. I can't even... I saw it at first, and I was like, are we really going to do this? But yeah, we're going to do it. We're absolutely going to do it. Why not? Because it's the Kentucky Derby. And uh, yeah, it's incredible. So we'll say the favorite, Zandon, uh, is not my pick to win. I like Epicenter who probably should have been the favorite. But that's all I know from reading like two or three articles about this. I do not keep up with horse racing at all. Dude, I'm telling you, Cyberknife at 20 to 1, with that I name, I'd know. I, I take those odds. I don't even care. I know. And then uh, Smile Happy is getting some love, too. Also 20 to 1. The third, probably, I think, what, what, what would it be? Third favorite? It sounds weird to say it that way. But at eight to one, Messier is an interesting, interesting horse. I'm is not it sold. Messier or is it Messier? Like Mark Messier. I, actually, it is named after Mark Messier. But <laughs> I'm, I'm, Messier. yeah, because <laughs> I'm American and this is in Kentucky, so <laughs> I have to. Fair enough. Pull out my jewel up and call it messier. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But we do have some football to talk about. Let's get going here. Uh, enough, enough dallying. Plenty of I mean, news to get through. We got got kind of a uh, elephant in the room. You know, Tug's not with us. He's he's fine. Yeah. I made it sound way worse than it is. He's actually just out enjoying his birthday. Uh, went to Vegas a week late. You know, he could have been out there for the draft, but he said no. I'm going to go for my birthday instead. So. Can't really blame him. Happy birthday, Tug. Hope you're having a great one. And didn't uh, even invite us. Why? Yeah. yeah. Whatever. <laughs> you know, a little Cinco de Mayo birthday celebration for him. That's a, a splendid thing. Hope he's having some tacos and some tequila. So. What else are you going to do on Cinco de Mayo? Right. Uh, so let's get started here with some NFL news. As we do. I think the biggest story this week has got to be. DeAndre Hopkins getting suspended. Dude, and I have a problem with this because I I can't help but feel that they knew the suspension was coming. Why else would you trade for Hollywood Brown? I It reeks of tampering that the NFL wanted to give yeah. them a chance to pick somebody up. Yeah, I can see that. I can also see there being a somewhat of an argument that they needed a receiver anyway, right? Losing Christian Kirk and who else do you really have in that roster right now? It's kind of DeAndre Hopkins and AJ Green. I mean, Rondell Moore is okay, but it doesn't, he doesn't really fill exactly the same kind of a role that you would look for out of Hollywood. So it makes some sense, even without the suspension, he's got to be your wide receiver one for the first six games now. Very interesting. That's uh, that's tough. It's definitely tough. I I don't know it. 
I feel like, you know, he just forgot that he wasn't at Clemson anymore and he can't get away with that shit, even though he's been in the league for, what, 10 years now? True. That's very possible. <laughs> Clemson's known for some shady stuff. We won't talk about Justin Ross. Uh, <laughs> but speaking of receivers and speaking of trades there, um, AJ Brown, Philadelphia during the draft. So I'm sure we did talk about it a little bit then, but at the same time, come on, this is ridiculous. He signs a four year, $100 million deal, basically announced the minute that it was announced that he was traded. So they, you know, this was worked out well in advance. Mm-hmm. I have a question though. Does this make, Philadelphia like good on offense at least it makes them I would say it makes them the most dangerous offense in the NFC East that's not a high bar to clear it's not it's not uh there's I mean here's the thing with the NFC East right there's questions at quarterback for every one of these teams there's starting to be mounting rising questions about Dak it's getting hard to ignore they're getting into a little bit of a situation uh, like Baker Mayfield in Cleveland the only difference is Dak has led this offense to some yeah and he's led this (laughs) offense with some pretty amazing numbers yeah who's even the quarterback in Washington who'd they trade for this year that's a good question Uh, it's right now it's Carson Wentz but we'll see yeah, so I mean, you got too many question marks at that position. They're they're going around touting this one-two punch they've got with uh, Antonio Gibson and whoever else they have at running back. Okay, they, cool. They just drafted a running back to set yeah. up the one-two punch. I exactly. mean, Ron Rivera is good at that. I mean, he made it work in Carolina pretty well with two running back approach. But you need more than just that, right? Exactly. Exactly. And then who's the fourth team in the NFC East? The Giants. Let's not even start count. there. They, don't yeah. even count. they they already <laughs> don't want Daniel Jones back and they have nothing yeah. else besides Saquon Barkley. And Saquon Barkley's kind of a question mark to begin with too. But so, outside of just the NFC East though, now we're looking at an offense with AJ Brown, with Devontae Smith, and with a when healthy, a very good offensive line. And Jalen Hurts is has proven to be at least serviceable, right? It's not a clear upgrade if they were to go out and get Baker Mayfield right now. So and at I that think, point, you have to say, I think they're a pretty good offense. So I think the big thing, too, talking about Baker Mayfield, a lot of his issues are that he doesn't have all the athletic ability and intangibles to succeed at the NFL level. He's just not fast enough. He doesn't have – he just doesn't have quite the arm that he needs – to do all the things that he needs to do at the NFL level. Now you could say Jalen Hurts might not have one or the other, but he can outrun the defenders better than Baker Mayfield, which makes him just a little bit better because ultimately they do try and play the same style. Jalen Hurts with that little extra speed is able to make it work for him a little bit better. I'll also throw in here, you mentioned this good offensive line when healthy was the last time that offensive line was healthy. Right? Uh, it's it's when they won the two to three Bowl. years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. almost like we can't get a fair evaluation of Tua just quite yet, even though the injuries are starting to become a concern there. We can't get a fair evaluation of Jalen Hurts because he hasn't been able to have his line, his guys defending him yet. I'm sure there will be a lot more pressure on Jalen Hurts anyway oh, with this deal. So, yeah, we'll see what happens there. 
Um, a couple of other deals going down. Again, talking about trades here. Troy Hill is going back to the Rams. He was a free agent signing, I believe, for the Browns last season. And when they drafted Martin Emerson with their first pick, it was a little bit confusing until you saw, oh, wow, they traded Troy Hill. So very interesting that the Rams get him back for almost nothing. And the Browns are actually going to eat part of the salary that they stupidly gave him way too much in the contract. And they're going to have a rookie replacing Troy Hill in that secondary. Wild for the Browns. Makes absolute sense for the Rams. They're getting a veteran guy that they know works in their system. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know why they gave him up in the first place. I <laughs> I mean, you know, the Browns are offering more. What are you going to do? But now you know. get him for the price you wanted to pay him anyway. So worked out. It's a win for everybody. <laughs> Except maybe the Browns. Lonnie Johnson was traded to the Kansas City Chiefs. The, I mean, he was pretty good. Seemed like at least one of the bright spots, at least that I can name for the Texans defense last year. I mean, that defense as a whole, we've talked about several times, performed better than we thought it would, but also it was not good. So <laughs> wild to see. This is something that I've said for a very long time, and I believe this is one of those like great examples. If you make it to the NFL, if you are already that level of athlete and that talent, I firmly believe that you can have a great career if you're put in a position to succeed. Anybody, even if, you know, we talk about how trash Baker Mayfield is now, if Baker Mayfield were put in the position for him to succeed with his style of playbook, his coaching staff, all this sort of thing, all that works together to create the situation. I think Lonnie Johnson can be a great corner for the Kansas City Chiefs. I think this move makes a lot of sense for him. So, I mean, that's also a testament to the Chiefs coaching staff. But Yeah, and, and God knows he's going to have the opportunity to do it because the Chiefs need help in their secondary. And the next guy we're going to talk about, Tyron Matthew, the bright spot of their secondary, they weren't able to get a deal done, and he's, uh, he's going back home. Yeah, he put on Twitter, he wished his grandmother were around to see this, coming back home to play for the hometown team. Um, pretty incredible story there, honestly. Three-year, $33 million deal for this for Tyron Matthew to come back home. And that's like the that's the big side of the contract. That's the side that agents want to talk about. I think this is really going to be probably a one-year deal, the way the guarantees work and everything, mm-hmm. and the way the Saints have obviously proven they can toy with the cap. Yeah, I really wish John was here just to Remind him that the cap isn't real and it does not matter. I'll text it to him later. You're good. Uh, (laughs) uh, One signing that really flew under the radar as far as I can tell, Grady Jarrett signed a three-year, $50 million deal going back to the Atlanta Falcons. Big defensive tackle there. Very interesting deal to me. That's a lot of money for a guy that's not that great. (laughs) And for an interior defensive lineman, too, this right. just seems – this is a guy I've never heard of. And nope, to be making no that type rush, of money. No pass brush help from Grady yeah. Jarrett to be giving him $50.5 million. 
you know, Falcons are bad for a reason. There's one team I can think of in the NFC South that runs the ball. And once you hurt that running back, their backup running back's pretty good, but he's going to get banged up and hurt too if he has to play all the time. Of course, talking about the Panthers, but it just, I don't know, this doesn't make any any sense to me. Man, they just drafted Money Matt Corral. So, going to be slinging it sooner or later. I don't understand why <laughs> when you're in the division with the Saints and the Buccaneers, you're not trying to keep pace with them and stop their pass attack. You're clogging up the middle of the field. You know, I don't know. It's the Falcons. So, <laughs> moving on here, I do want to talk about RG3 potentially coming back to the NFL. Be very exciting. He, out of nowhere, put up a four four eight forty, showing he can still do it. <laughs> as soon as that comes out, it came out that he wanted to go to Chicago, work with Justin Fields, and I'm just like, okay, cool. Like, can you do it as not a player? Right. Like, why? Why do you need to come back? Dallas being on his short list too. Allegedly, this one might have been more of a meme than anything, but that would maybe kind of make sense. But then you got two fragile quarterbacks. I, I don't know. I, I will say the way his career ended and seeing it cut so short, I would be fine seeing a comeback if he could stay healthy. The last thing sure. I want to see, though, is him go out there and get hurt two, three games in. I would think Dallas could make a ton of sense for him to fill that old Kellen Moore role where you come in as basically a quarterback assistant and then work your way to a quarterback coach maybe offensive coordinator someday. That's, yeah. a, that's a real possibility. But to be if a backup Bears, right now, come on. If the Bears had a brain, they would do that right now without even thinking about it. But they don't. So, you know, is what it is. Yeah, it's the Bears. So, <laughs> one last thing that I wanted to talk about because this is kind of fun. Washington Commanders have just reinstated their band, they have a marching band that's been one of the staples of the team for basically as long as they've existed, since the 30s, and it was on a two-year hiatus. You have to think that's pandemic-related, but they're back now, back full-time. They're going to be at home games, jamming the fight song. So what are, what are they going to be called now? That's the real question, because Baltimore, of course, still has the Baltimore Colts marching band. Right. Even though they're the Ravens, they are the Baltimore Colts marching band officially. Are they gonna they gonna change their name as well? I'm they, sure they will. The fight song is Hail to the Redskins, so what are they gonna what are they gonna call it now? Yep. They're gonna make a new song altogether? What I mean, what are they gonna do? <laughs> Hail to the bleep. I don't know, man. It's awesome to see traditions like this come back though. I can't lie. So it, it's it's awesome they're doing this. I'm glad yeah. that you know even in Washington D.C. they're like, okay, we're far enough away from the pandemic. We can we can start getting life back to normal, and that includes the Washington Commanders band. Love it. That's really all I got for NFL news. I do have a little bit of college stuff I wanted to talk about here. Mostly some high level potential changes happening to college football. So. I guess we'll keep it kind of surface level conversation here. I don't want to bog us down into the details of 
name, image, and likeness conversation, but uh, there's some real discussion of some regulations for the name, image, and likeness stuff, which, I mean, come on. There should have been some all along. This should have been a plan, like, started to be planned out about 10 years ago and implemented. So here's yeah. here's my thing, and this is... I, I still firmly stand by the NCAA deserves what is happening right now. They deserve to have this happen to them, and there have been, with all of this swirling around, there's also been maybe the NCAA is just going to straight up disband. And they deserve those rumors to be swirling around too because never mind the fact that they were so gung-ho about, oh, we can't let student-athletes make money that – you know, right. because they're a student athlete, if they have a Twitch and they make money on it, it's only because they're a student athlete and no other reason. So they're making money off of playing sports in college. So that's it. They 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 can do that or they can play. And, you know, obviously talking about destroying. Um, but, like, it's ridiculous that that was a rule. And I knew a few athletes in college. And I was like, hey, I was like, you know, do you guys, you know, do you have time to have a job or whatever? And they're like, no, we, there's no way. And I was like, so how the fuck do you have money if you're not like, you know, full scholarship or whatever? And like, you I, go to Tennessee and get some McDonald's. Right. So <laughs> I, if they would have had regulations in place in, to begin with, I'd have been fine with that. And I think they need to make steps towards that, which I guess is right. what they're going to do. The problem is now you have to put this genie back in the bottle and you put the cat back in the bag, however you want to put it. And it's going to be a fucking disaster. Right, because everybody's already seen what the Wild West looks like. Getting people to not do that is going to be tough, and it's going to be just like all the recruiting violations. Except now, money can legally change hands. So, how are you really going to prove that it happened illegally? Right, right. There are ways around all sorts of rules like this. So, the main driver behind this conversation has been due to the transfer portal. There have been people leaving their school. For, going to because Cal, of the right? because of the promise of nil deals, and I mean that can't happen. Come on, so there's real conversation of you know boosters can't be the ones recruiting for your school. That's not the way this was ever supposed to work, and <laughs> we need to do something about that. Um, so the the rule would then become at least potentially. No name, image, and likeness deals are allowed to be even discussed until a player is on a roster. That makes sense to me. Uh, it seems like that'd be kind of weird for the conversations to take place before that anyway. But, of course, if you're going to throw a kid $10 million to come to your school, they're going to want to go there. <laughs> That's an incredibly hard rule to enforce, though. Absolutely. Right, because all you got to do then is hire a big oil money guy down in South Texas as a film analyst. You know, the yeah. most difficult job on the football roster. And, you know, you can say, yeah, he's coming with us on these recruiting visits to kind of show what, you know, break down some of their high school tape and show them what they can work on and start working on in their game to be better for when they come to Texas A&M. But he's also going to mention that if you come there, I'll give you yep. $4 million a year 
you know, for you to wave during, you know, in a clip during one of our commercials. He didn't say that. He didn't say that technically. Yeah. It was just the idea was floated. That's all. Yeah. So that's going to be really hard to enforce, of course. But at the same time, one of the regulations proposed is some more regulation on uh, the idea is you're not supposed to be able to pay for play. So mm-hmm. it can't be tied to performance incentives, any of that. Um, that is already technically in place. At the same time, no one's going to want to offer these kids endorsement deals if they're not performing well. So that's going to be really hard to enforce as well. I mean, uh, you know, old uh, Quinn Ewers, a.k.a. Joe Exotic, got millions of dollars to not even touch the field this past year at Ohio State. So, I mean, I know there's always idiots getting parted with their money. So (laughs) suckers born every day, right? So... It's gotten to the point where the SEC and Pac-12 commissioners are together right now in D.C. lobbying for congressional support, enforcing the NCAA's hand in some of these regulations. I don't know what those discussions are really going to be looking like. At the same time, why are they looking for this to be legislated? I think there's a more elegant solution, and that's actually our... One of our next stories here, Gene Smith, who is one of the undisputed, one of the best athletic directors in the country, one of the most respected athletic directors in the country. He threw out the opinion, and he has said he's gotten mixed reactions from this, but he threw out the opinion, hey, let's get rid of the NCAA for Division One FBS football. FCS level, it works for them, but at the FBS level, the way we operate is very different than any other sport anymore. It's not the same. We can't treat it the same because of that. If you have a school offering 85 football scholarships as a huge financial investment, we can't lump them in with the rest of these other schools who have, I don't know, 60 scholarships, less than that. So let's get the highest level of college football out of the hands of the NCAA and just let it be run by the playoff, the college football playoff organization. That makes a lot of sense to me. I don't know that that's exactly the way I would have taken it, but to get it out of the NCAA's hand makes a lot of sense. How much money is in football compared to everything else at the highest level? It's almost impossible to control in the same way. What I don't like about that being in the hands of the CFP is that then it's a completely commercialized thing and you have these schools and these players that are going to be basically run and, you know, bossed around by ESPN, Fox, NBC, CBS, Amazon, probably. I mean, that, that isn't appetizing to me, but at the same time, the idea that the biggest wing of college athletics would be outside the NCAA. It's it is kind of a weird idea. However, if you go look at college hockey, for example, and I know college hockey is not anywhere near the same scale, but schools like Indiana have a college hockey team that is not in the NCAA. It is part of the NAIA, and there right. are several other schools that you know, you know, that we talk about on this show even that sponsor pretty big sports outside of the NCAA and NCAA hockey is kind of a wild, wild West in and of itself. 
but the fact that you know a basketball school in Indiana is trying to get better at football, trying to become a football school, the fact that you know college hockey it's getting bigger, it's getting more relevant every year, the fact that they're fine with staying in the NAIA, and I'm sure they're trying to move up to the NCAA, but the fact that the NAIA is a route that they're willing to go, that should really tell you that the NCAA doesn't have to be the end-all, be-all as far as college athletics. I would prefer it be an entirely different organization. Like, essentially what you're saying there, the college football playoff is not beholden to what's best for the sport. It's beholden to what makes the most money. And it almost has to be that way for that particular organization to run the way that it does. But if we want to put the governance of all of college football in someone's hands, it should not be in the hands of Fox, ESPN, NBC, CBS. Right. Exactly. I understand where he's coming from. And I like the way he's thinking, but I don't think he's fully there yet. (laughs) That's a good start. Yeah. It definitely, it definitely starts a conversation too, which I think is, by far the most important piece in this. One other regulation that the NCAA is looking at changing, and apparently, according to an inside source at the NCAA, this is almost inevitable at this point, is we will be getting transfer portal windows where there will be a set week or two of the season, probably two different times of the year where players can enter the transfer portal so they don't have to find a new school inside that window they just only have a set week or two out of the year that they're allowed to enter their name in the portal that makes so much more sense (laughs) you can do that either at the end of camp or during the recruiting period you cannot do it during the season you cannot do it random time when nobody can do anything about it yeah and i mean we already see you know, the big dump of names during bowl season, right after bowl season, what have you. The onesie twosies that are happening just kind of whenever they're doing it to like Caleb Williams, for example, he's doing it to make a splash and be like, yeah, I'm done with Oklahoma. And all that does is it provides for stories and it's going to be a story. If Caleb Williams had waited till the end of the year, it has still been a story, right? If everybody did it the same day, the fact that Caleb Williams was in it would still be the top story. Right. Right. But it, it doesn't make it to where, oh, you know, Caleb, Spencer Rattler's leaving too. Okay, well, yeah, sure, I guess that makes sense. You know, they both were recruited by the same coach. They're gonna, He's leaving. They should leave. Right. You know, why wouldn't they leave too? But Spencer Rattler getting thrown a hissy fit in the middle of the year because he's not playing. I'm like, well, I'm going to enter the transfer portal. Now he's trying to upstage his team. That's not good for yeah. anybody. Right. So really, the <laughs> it's an underrated piece of this, but it's really helping protect the athletes from their, from themselves. Absolutely. And two, it helps with you know, roster size, roster creation, right? There's a there's a very much an art to getting to that eighty five scholarship limit before the season starts. And then knowing what you need to backfill at the you know, once everyone graduates and everyone leaves that's going to leave. So to have set times where coaches can actually regroup and figure out what they need to do to make their team, you know whole complete ready to go that makes a ton of sense for the schools too so i'm sure they're going to be coming at it from the school angle of getting coaches what they need but yes i agree with you players will be better off for this as well absolutely it's 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 winning all around i think 
It's the last piece of college news I wanted to talk about. The Big Ten is very close to a new media contract, apparently. Most of this money will be football money, but this is going to cover multiple sports across multiple networks. Uh, Kevin Warren came out and announced that he's looking to close a new contract with one or several media partners by the end of this month, if at all possible. And it should be close to $1.1 billion per year, which would be a new record, even eclipsing what the SEC just signed with ESPN. So. Insanity. <laughs> um, if Rutgers is still bankrupt after this deal, they need to be executed. <laughs> embezzlement. It is embezzlement. That's what it is. It'll be over $70 million a year per school just for the media contracts. Wow. I, you know, um, that's it. We That's all we have for college news. So I think a good transition here is to kind of talk about the fact that the Big Ten being on multiple networks, not as crazy as you might think, because uh, there's a league going on right now that's doing just that. We're, of course, talking about the USFL. And uh, no better way to explain how that's working than to look at their schedule for this week. So we'll kind of do this in reverse order. Coming up this week, if you're an audio listener, it'll be happening today at 10 p.m. Eastern. Or if you're listening to us live Friday, tomorrow, 10 p.m. Eastern, on FS1, it'll be the Stars versus the Panthers. Both teams are 1-2. and two. Panthers got their first win last week. We'll talk about that here shortly. Stars, well, they were in the news for a different reason, and we'll talk about that as well. <laughs> on Saturday, we got two games, the 2.30 game, Eastern time, of course. We'll be on Peacock, on the cock, Generals versus the 0-3 Maulers, Generals being 2-1. and And then the nightcap, 7 p.m. Eastern, the Bandits, 2-1, and against the undefeated host team, the Stallions, at 3-0. and The current league favorites, I would say. By far, and they will be yeah. playing on Fox. Look, they're the only team that's getting a real crowd at their games, which makes sense. Right. And looking at the timing of all of this, of this league, got to wonder what they were thinking with starting their season when they did, because it's right. Mother's Day weekend. So this Sunday game at 3 p.m. Eastern on NBC and The Cock, uh, the one and two gamblers versus the two and one breakers, I expect exactly five Zero people there. Attendance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, roughly zero tickets sold. Yeah. So just, just an estimate. So looking back at the week that was for the USFL, again, I I spent my time watching the FCF, which is part of the reason I want to talk about them second. Um, I did watch some highlights. Specifically, I watched some highlights from the Maulers Panthers game, a twenty-four to nothing shutout victory for the Panthers. My God, the Maulers are bad. Yeah, I thought the Panthers were bad until they just whooped the Maulers. <laughs> and, you know, what was awesome about it was Paxton Lynch looked great. He was starting in place of Shea Patterson, who has looked horrible. Uh, what wasn't great is Paxton Lynch hurt his ankle. He's looking like he's going to return. He was placed on the inactive roster. Uh, and, you know, this was something I was hopeful for, for Paxton Lynch, at least, right? You know, all the all the talk about he's not serious enough about football or to he just doesn't have the talent. Maybe he doesn't have the talent, but at least he looked good today, right? Or this past week, anyway. 
Hopefully he gets back soon. His injury sucks. Sounds like he's going to be back. Stars quarterback, Brian Scott, he's straight up leaving the league. He's done. He's calling it quits for the season. I don't know if that means forever from football, from the USFL this year. Will we see him in the FCF, XFL, USFL next year? Who knows? Uh, A lot of people were upset about this. People that have watched the USFL more than I have said, man, this is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And he's just gone. So, you know, this probably played into uh, their second loss this week against the Generals. They lost that one 24-16. Man, that's that's tough. When you lose your quarterback like that and he's just – Peace, I'm out. Uh, it's it's definitely not a good look. Looking like the game of the week was Bandits first Gamblers, 27 to 26. Both of these teams have been amazing. I want to watch the USFL more, uh, but the FCF's just better. I just enjoy the FCF more. Last but of course yeah. not least, Stallions at Breakers, another fantastic game. Two of the top teams in the league. Stallions, of course, won this one 22 to 13. It was a battle of unbeatens here, and I'm glad that some of these games are competitive. I don't know what the hell is wrong with the Maulers, and I don't know that the Panthers are going to be able to, to continue that with Shea Patterson under center. Right. Uh, <laughs> Good but, luck. You know. Good luck with that. But at least they got one win, you know. That's good for them. <laughs> something, something, for, uh, something for the state of Michigan, huh? They needed something. So I, I'm gonna try and uh, try and watch a game. I might try and watch tomorrow because, unfortunately, I'm going to miss the FCF this weekend. Mm. Uh, yeah, I and it it hurts a little bit extra because watching the FCF this past weekend made me remember how much I love the league, how much I love it. Every you know from the performances on the field you know between the you know the actual football game going on calling the plays this year added of course was being able to predict plays that a specific team is going to call when your team's not playing the added field art that they show before every play the commentary the drone cam i mean all of it all of it with the and the addition of fans this year <laughs> come on it's i love it and what the absolutely like no other for sure 100%. And what absolutely helped it this week, too, was the first game of the day. The Beast versus Aidoki. A comeback for the ages. Aidoki is down 14 points with 43 seconds left. Man. Scores a touchdown. Gets the uh, gets the man up two-point conversion. Go. Gets the the onside kick, right? The fourth and ten. They take it to the house. They score. Don't get the man up. So it's a tie ball game. Beast unable to score on the ensuing drive. We go to overtime. And I think Adoki had to – I think it went to double overtime, actually. It might have been single overtime. Either way, Adoki pulls it out. A comeback above all other comebacks. This was – this was amazing. This was a great way to start off the weekend for the FCF. And man, did you catch any of this game? I did not, but I'm very sad that both of my teams lost this week because the beasts were my original pick for a team. And then, uh, 
the last game of the weekend didn't go well for me either, but keep going. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> uh, next up, we had the Board Ape Football Club going against the Kingpins. And man, the Board Ape Football Club looked like an absolute wagon. They won this one 28 to 20. And I got to say, I'm trying to look up what defense they had last week. Board Ape Football Club, that is. That was the game changer in that game. Fans are starting to realize defense means a lot more than people might want to give it credit for. And can you really blame them? Because when you look at what that defense was able to do, Kingpins looked hot, scored very quickly on their first drive, and were threatening all game. Stifling defense kept them from being able to get into the end zone and extend their lead. Makes it awful tough to win a game if you can't score points, right? Absolutely. It's the best way to win is when you don't allow the other team to participate. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm having a hard time finding what defense it was that they had, but if anybody anybody here watching, hanging out with us knows better than I, go ahead and drop it in the chat. We'll make sure to shout you out and give you credit for correcting or just you know straight up knowing better than I do. This was another great game. It even looked like it might have gone to overtime. Kingpins just weren't able to ever get back into the game fully. That took us to a quite a long break. Look, they had some youth flag football playing out on the FCF field. They even had a charity flag football game. Quavo put on a charity game with a bunch of celebrities, including Dolphins wide receiver Tyreek Hill. Yes, sir. All of all of this was broadcast on Twitch. I caught a little bit of that. I went to go do a few things, but I came back and strapped back in for should have been stars versus the Glacier Boys. Wait, hold up. You just glossed over. Tyreek Hill got a pick six. <laughs> yeah, you know, Tug's not here, so I didn't feel like you know we okay. didn't spend too much time on it. All right, fair enough. But the fact <laughs> that a receiver got a pick six is pretty incredible. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a lot of fun and uh Quavo putting on for his city doing the charity thing when he said he they talked about it at length that when he wanted to be involved with the fcf he had this vision to be able to give back to his hometown uh, in more ways than just entertainment and he absolutely was able to this week and that's just absolutely awesome to see absolutely but should have been stars one against the glacier boys they are still undefeated against the polar bears they are still winless in my book because that name <laughs> it is <laughs> Something awful. <laughs> uh, it is it is absolutely awful. Shipman Stars did win, though. It was a great game. Uh, very back-and-forth battle. Glacier Boys were looking great. Man, this was the last game that I watched. Unfortunately, got busy. Had to do some other things. Man, These, this was the championship rematch. This was the championship rematch. So I, you know I had to watch it. Yeah. You know I was pulling for my boys, but... Uh, Man, I, I'm so glad that should have been stars are off to such a hot start, especially after such a weird off season, including right. a name change, right? Yeah. Last but not least, though, that final game of the night, Knights of Deegan. Deegan? Deegan? I can't remember what, what they said it was. KOD. They won 36 to 20, 34, sorry, against our Zappers, the BDT Zappers, that is. Uh, it's the only one I missed. Manziel missed it too, but you know who didn't? Terrell Owens, baby. He left the draft, and his involvement in the draft kind of just stopped. 
because yeah. he had other commitments, and those commitments were the TO zone on Dazzin and playing for the Zappers. For awesome. a Hall of Famer, a 50-year-old Hall of Famer to say, eh, NFL draft, I'll see you guys. I'll see you guys. I got, I got, a, I got a football game to go play. I mean, you got to love his dedication to the league, right? I mean, what, el- what else are you going to say? I know. Apparently, his dedication is more than Manziel's. So, that's cool. I mean, you know. <laughs> T.O. just wants it more, baby. <laughs> that takes us to the games coming up this week. And like I said, I don't think I'm going to get to see any of these sad, sad football fan noises. Glacier Boys, to start off the day, 1 p.m. Eastern, will be taking on Board 8 Football Club. The Glacier Boys are 1-2. and two. Board 8 Football Club are 3-0. and oh. Knights of D-Gen. 2 and 1 against the 2 and 1 8 Oki. That will take place at 3 p.m. Eastern. That ought to be a good one. I'm hoping. I think it will. I really think it will. And if you haven't seen the Knights of Degen, Degen, Board 8 Football Club, 8 Oki, or Kingpins jerseys, very nice. Trust me. You want to you wanna see these things. That's going to be it for the early session. The nightcap is going to feature the Zappers, the 0-1-3 Zappers, going against the 1-2 Beasts. My two teams, like the worst teams in the league. It sucks. <laughs> and it's going to be rounded off by the reigning people's champions. Should have been stars at 3-0 going against the winless Kingpins. And I'm telling you, I don't know if the Kingpins are going to be winless for long. They, I, I'm pretty sure their quarterback is a franchise player. They're they're gonna make some moves. It's gonna be. I don't anticipate them being winless much much longer. That is all I have for okay. the FCF, but I do have one other story that mm, might be worth keeping an eye on. I want to mention that this is from XFL Newsroom or Pro Football Newsroom. I think is what they're also going by now. Um, so. Keep this in mind with maybe a grain of salt, so to say. Uh, maybe this is more accurate than I, I'm giving them credit for. But when you read into some of the things they've said here, it does make a lot of sense. We're talking about today is the location of teams when the XFL does return. Mm. If you're a Dallas Renegades fan, fear not. Dallas is going to maintain their team and stay in the capital of the Lone Star State. If you were a fan of the Tampa Bay Vipers, yeah, I got bad news for you. Did you just say Dallas is the capital of Texas? Is it not? No. No, it is not. It's San Antonio, isn't it? I don't nope. fucking know. Shit. It's Austin. Austin? Ah, fuck yeah. Austin. It's definitely Austin. Fuck Austin. Dallas is the capital I mean, of Texas. I was just gonna let you suffer for a minute there, but I couldn't let it go. I couldn't. It was I had brutal. I had legitimately no clue. Okay. <laughs> I did know that. I just for some reason wanted it to be Dallas Dallas that bad, so you know. That's like calling the capital of Illinois Chicago. Just, I mean it basically is. Let's let's be real, it basically is. It, We're getting off topic here. Anyway. <laughs> Orlando is looking like they will take the spot of the Tampa Bay Vipers. Now, if you're wondering why this move might be is being made, 
It's because the XFL kind of wanted to stay out of the AAF's territory and said, hey, we're going to shift to Tampa Bay. But with the AAF folding, Tampa Bay was kind of already cemented. Now you got to think, is there going to be a team in in Orlando next year? No, but there's probably going to be a USFL team in Tampa Bay. It's a great time for them to make the move. It sucks if you're a Vipers fan because now you got to be a fan of a new league. The Vipers colors are pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, it's a different green and yellow, so I don't have to hate it. You know, um, We'll see if they will get a new name if they move to Orlando or not. We'll just have to wait and see what's actually going to happen here. I definitely prefer having a team in Orlando, though, for I the agree. XFL. Uh, I agree. The other Texas team, the Houston Roughnecks, well, again, look at the USFL. They've got, well, I'm getting to that too. Okay. There is a Houston team in the USFL, and the Roughnecks also had an issue with logo trademarks and other things involved with the team. So what would you do if you're the XFL? It makes sense to move to San Antonio. Again, look at the AAF. They were in San Antonio, and that was one of the most popular teams in the AAF playing at the Alamo Dome. Yeah, there are people who are calling for San Antonio to get an NFL team. So XFL could slide in. Makes, Makes almost too much sense. Exactly. Now, not mentioned here is New York. And I, I think that's all the teams that we've got. There's rumors that Vegas could be in the mix. Who knows? I think I it's safe it. to say, and XFL Newsroom agrees, Seattle, St. Louis, they're not going anywhere. They led the league in attendance. Why would they go anywhere? Right. Yep. So Yeah, you have, you have to have a team in St. Louis. Come on. Come on. That, that fan base was... Obnoxious as all hell. Which is perfect for the XFL. <laughs> it's perfect for the XFL. And the other thing you got to look at, too, Seattle was one of the worst teams in the league and led the league in attendance. Yeah. I mean, you you got to love it. You can't let that slide. You can't get rid of it, right? I'm curious what's going to happen to New York. I think, that put, I think that's all eight teams, right? Tampa um, to... I don't Texas know. Teams, you, how are you, you going to get rid of a New York team? It's New York. I don't know. I don't know. There's like more people in New York than there are in the rest of America combined. So you're going to have to. Also true. <laughs> oh, that's the two teams I didn't talk about. They didn't talk about LA and they didn't talk about Washington, okay. uh, the yep. DC defenders. I would imagine DC will probably stay. I would think LA might be on their way out. They had some of the worst attendance. DC had great attendance. They were playing in a soccer stadium, so they were able to sell out the whole place. They didn't have to do the first, you know, close the upper deck thing that everybody else was doing. Um, So I I imagine DC was not it DC. Wasn't it DC who gave us the, the cup stack cup snakes, cup snakes. snakes. Yep. 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 (laughs) Yeah. So I, I got to think if you're looking at teams that might be moving, Maybe New York, more than likely L.A. I think Vegas makes a ton of sense. Vegas was in XFL 1.0 with the Las Vegas Outlaws way back in 02. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. Maybe. I don't love that as much as I 
love the move to Orlando and possibly San Antonio. Those make oh, a lot more sense. Absolutely. To me. Absolutely. There's definitely an argument for Vegas over LA. I understand it. I mean, what happens be, when Vegas stays in Vegas? It'd be cool if you could drum up the interest to have a team in San Diego. I don't know if I, the interest is there. Well, it's funny but, you mentioned that. The AAF had a team in San Diego as well, who, shocker, had very good attendance because the right. fan base wants to have a team. I... I I do worry that San Diego is going to be a place where they've been burned too many times to want to invest again. Yeah. And when you, you know, there's been, I hate doing this because I haven't watched the USFL, but the complaints are too loud to ignore. I don't know how much San Diego fans are going to want to buy into the XFL with the product the USFL is putting on the field. And what happened the last time they had a team, of course, the AAF, right? So I'm interested to, to fair, see what happens. To be fair, I, for some dumb reason, trust the XFL brand more than I trust the USFL brand. I trust Dwayne Johnson, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, more than I trust the USFL brand at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. It's When is the XFL really going to get started? We don't even have an official date yet, so we'll see. They're supposed to be next year, but they don't have like anything. Set rumors, up, so. rumors are they're going to do what they did back in two, in twenty twenty and start the week after the Super Bowl. So here's hoping, fingers crossed, right? If they do that, they better have some cities picked out. <laughs> I would say this is, this is a good time to do it, right? I don't know about now. Maybe get some coaches in there. About I don't know now. Maybe figure out. Yeah, coaches, who, everybody, pretty much everybody's coming back. Figure out who's like going to be on your teams. You know that'd be good to know. They're surprisingly <laughs> further ahead than the USFL was. They've got combine. They've done some combine stuff and tryouts and all this. So I mean, you know, they're. I mean, the USFL was thrown together literally last second. It, so. It's really starting to feel that way, and <laughs> I I understand part of what they were saying. I don't think they really thought through why games without fans in the stands were getting views. And it's because people wanted to fucking watch sports and forget that they were stuck in their house all the time. Yeah. It was not because they enjoyed watching games with no fans in attendance. That's right. why pretty much every, you know, the NBA went to it. They had videos of fans and, you know, you were basically watching a feed on your computer with the yeah. camera on you and your face was showing up on the, you know, on the big screen. So it's yeah. like, because even that was better than the empty arena. Exactly. exactly. As ridiculous it, as it was. <laughs> and it it's it's a shame because I appreciate the idea that the USFL had uh, by being a TV focused league. It's just not working. And right. I I want I gave them the benefit of the doubt that hey, you know, maybe this will work. They're making it very available to the local community. Maybe maybe they'll get behind it, but they don't care if Birmingham's not playing. I don't blame them. Right, I don't blame them because you've set it up to where you no, know, it's it's the it's the Michigan Panthers 
but we're only going to play in Birmingham, Alabama. How in the world does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. Just call them the Panthers. You don't have to put cities on them. Then You don't have to put states on them. Just have the teams. If you're going to have it in one city, just have team names and no cities. That would make a lot more sense. <laughs> or at least um, do all the cities in the state that you're going to be playing in. That right. could work too. Uh, the Tuscaloosa Panthers. It is It is the Spring League reformatted. Yeah. Yep. Very much so. It's about as good as the Spring League, too. So it makes sense. <laughs> Some good moments in it. Sprinkle in. It's not all bad. Yeah. Same with the Spring League. <laughs> but let's go ahead and move on here. Um, dude, want to talk about the NFL draft a little bit. Because, yeah, we only live-streamed the first round. There were a whole six other rounds that happened, and then some UDFA signings as well. I kind of want to talk about the best, the worst, kind of what we think overall. What was our favorite draft class this weekend, this past weekend? Um, I guess let's start off with you. Who did you like the most? Whose draft did you like the most? So, unfortunately, this was a team we didn't even get to talk about on the live stream. The host, Las Vegas Raiders, they didn't have a pick until the third round. Now, obviously, there's a little bit of bias here. They took Dylan Parham. He was the first Memphis player off the board. I'm going to get that out of the way real quick. But what I love is that in the fourth round, they then took Zamir White. So, look at what this running game is going to consist of now. Josh Jacobs, Zamir White, Kenyon Drake in there as well. And an actual little bit of an offensive line now. Exactly. And I think that was probably really the only hole you could look, you know, point to specifically when you looked at this Raiders team. The defense was really pretty solid. Once they got Gruden out of there, you saw just how good this team really is. I hope that this will break the cycle of midseason collapses. But going back to Dylan Parham for a second, one of the reasons I love this pick paired with Zamir White so much, and being able to get that in the third and fourth round, by the way. Like let's right. let's not gloss over that. Parham is a hell of a run blocker, right? There is a reason there are analysts out there looking at Memphis as a miniature running back university, right? Look at the guys that have gone pro over the past four years. There's This is the first year, I think, that there hasn't been a Memphis running back taken in the draft in the past four drafts. That is insane. Part of that is because Dylan Parham is such a great run blocker. You can run up the middle behind this dude throw in there that he didn't allow a sack all last year, that's going to help Derek Carr out immensely. I love the moves they made. The rest of the draft, they went interior defensive line, and they picked up a tackle from Ohio State. Those moves, okay, cool. Kind of taking flyers on guys once you get to the fifth round. Right. And I think defensive tackle, interior defensive line, is probably the hole that they have on that defense if you really want to get into it. Overall, with the limited picks they had, they did a lot to fill the few holes they had on this team and get ready to make a serious push in the AFC West this year. I will say, if you look at the offseason as a whole, getting Chandler Jones helps with some of that defensive line too. He's going to play on the edge, obviously, but it can help you move some guys inside that maybe were forced to play an edge role. And I like a Thayer Munford pick. You kind of glossed over it. I think he's more of a guard than a tackle in the NFL. 
Like he played tackle Ohio State, but he kind of is the size of a guard too. If you got two starting guards here in Parham and Munford, that is an instant upgrade over any guards that you had for (laughs) eight to ten years. Easy. Certainly hope so. As long as you can like actually re-sign them and not trade them away. Right. So, <laughs> like the Raiders want to do with everybody for some reason. And, you know, the last couple of first round picks they've had have definitely not worked out at all. So, you know, maybe it's a good thing they didn't have one. Ugh. Oof. Oof. You know, prison. Uh, prison. Prison. <laughs> More prison. Okay. Oh, anyway. Yeah, no, the Raiders did have a good draft. Uh, a lot of, lot of depth in this draft. It was very interesting to see some of the things that were a result of the COVID year of extra eligibility. Some guys waited of to come out, and of there this not was being a, any quarterbacks. Right, right. So this was. It really felt like there were five, six rounds of legitimate talent that you could possibly develop in the starters. And that just doesn't happen all the time. You're usually looking at, I don't know, three rounds of that. And then you're automatically taking flyers starting the fourth round. Mm-hmm. It felt like you could get some legitimate guys going into, into like even the fifth round. So wild, wild. Um, and that's where my favorite draft class comes in, which I feel like is, not a very hot take at all. It's not even a warm take. I feel like this is the most obvious of selections of all time. But the New York Jets had a sensational draft. Uh, a lot of people can't stop talking about it, but for good reason. They got the best corner in the class. They got the best receiver in the class. Got probably the second best tight end in the class. Definitely got the best running back in the class. Got, man, depending on how you rank them, probably like the fourth or fifth best tackle in the class in the fourth round. I mean, their last pick was also a fourth round pick, Michael Clemens, that defensive end out of Texas A&M who didn't have the production, but man, is he just as athletic as, you know, Texas A&M defensive end could be. Wow. Wow. This was, wow. I didn't even mention Jermaine Johnson, who they traded back up to get. Yep. A guy that we thought they would probably try to go get at number 10. They waited until number 26 to get the guy. Probably the third or fourth best defensive end in the class. And the top two went number one and number two overall. So, wow. What a draft for the Jets. You know, last year we made the joke that the Jets got better because there was a draft. This year the Jets absolutely got better. And it's not just because the draft happened. It's because they got some of the best players in this class with what they were able to pull off here. you got to start being a little nervous about it. I don't think you really even mentioned Brees Hall. I mean, I they got said the... his name, but I mean, didn't talk about him enough. Brees Hall is an incredible running back. Yeah. Like, legitimately, people were talking about Kenneth Walker. He had one year that looked really good. Brees Hall put together four sensational collegiate seasons and people weren't talking about him enough. If there were one guy who was worthy of a first-round pick at running back this year, it was Brees Hall. They got him in, like, the middle of the second round. I mean, come on. Yeah. 
this was this was an insane draft by the Jets. I love every move that they made here. They're still probably another draft or two and a good offseason away from really competing in the NFC or AFC East rather. But at least they're not going to be a joke anymore. I I feel like I can confidently say that they're not going to be a joke anymore. A lot depends on the development of Zach Wilson. But with Garrett Wilson, Jeremy Ruckert, Brees Hall, that's a good job. Got a lot easier. Good cast of weapons. And I think Max Mitchell can be a starter at tackle for this team. And they got him in the fourth round. Speaking of quarterbacks that have some question marks around them, uh, we're going to move on to least favorite draft classes here. Tug did not get anything into us. Understandable. Dude's enjoying Las Vegas. All right. Like, yep. give him a break. Uh, the team that drafted a quarterback to start the draft and end the draft, I'm talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Two quarterbacks, two receivers, a tight end slash fullback. That one really doesn't make sense to me. And yeah. a defensive end and a linebacker. <laughs> what did they do? Like, where did they help themselves? What right. Receivers maybe was some help, right? Juju has not been what they've needed him to be. This really put some pressure on him, like, Show us what you got. You're very replaceable, right? I think that was – I think they made some good picks there. Kenny Pickett, I think, will be a fine quarterback, but why are you picking a quarterback from South Dakota State at the end of the draft too? Right. It doesn't make – when you, you now have four quarterbacks on the roster. You're looking like the Bears with tight ends. This <laughs> this doesn't make a lot of sense. I, I, don't, I don't know. And then going tight end fullback, isn't Derek Watts still there? Yeah. Don't they have two of the Watts so – Yep. You took Pat Fryermuth last year. You have Derek Watt. I mean, no disrespect to this kid from Michigan so, State, but so what's actually, going on here? The story with that pick. He's Cameron Hayward's brother. Now the Steelers have four sets of brothers on the team. That's the reason it happened. It's so terrible. You do not make draft picks simply because you want another set of brothers on your team. <laughs> Dude, Tyler Vrabel was in this draft class. His dad did not select him. You, you don't do that. <laughs> yeah, the Steelers did not really help themselves with that. Um, They're just throwing I, darts at a board. <laughs> I understand taking Kenny Pickett, right? You, I do too. You need a long-term answer at quarterback. You have a guy who was developed next door at the University of Pittsburgh. That's a cool story. It makes sense, and a lot of people predicted that that would happen. I, again, totally cool with that selection. And I do like the receivers that they picked up. Other than Naturally, that. I do too. But Other yeah, exactly. Exactly. Other than that, what I mean, it's like they wasted five picks. Yeah. Like what yeah. what were you doing here? Because as long as if Mason Rudolph gets cut, maybe it makes sense. But now you've got a quarterback competition between Mitch Trubisky, who has has yet to really prove himself, and two rookies who are gonna be fighting for a job. Yeah. And I, I just it, it doesn't make sense. The receiving core definitely got better. 
Claypool is not going to be able to be double and triple teamed because you're going to have to try and double team Austin if he's out on the field. He's too fucking fast otherwise. Maybe that helps Juju out. And, you know, I, I think they fixed some things at wide receiver. I really do. But what else did they address on that team? They didn't do anything to help this offensive line. This offensive line that was letting Big Ben yeah. get murdered last year. Right. Right. This is – I. I don't know that Big Ben comes back if he doesn't get hit and have as rough of a season as he did. But you can't tell me that didn't fucking play into his decision. At the same time, I do kind of like the DeMarvin Leal pick. He makes sense for the organization, like the way they do business. Versatile defensive lineman has some really good traits, has proven to be coachable, right? Get him in a good system, and you can work with him. That makes sense. He's like an AFC North kind of guy. Either the Steelers or the Ravens would have made a ton of sense for Leal. But <laughs> I don't think that was your biggest position of need when he's probably going to be like the fourth or fifth guy in the rotation now. Yeah. There were other things you could have done there that would have made a little bit more sense. And the Mark Robinson pick, I'm sorry. I, I don't know. A whole lot about Mark Robinson. Uh, at the same time, there were a couple of offensive linemen at that spot available that could have made some sense. I don't know. I don't know. I'm I, I'm done talking about the Steelers. They yeah. they were Let's they're one of those on organizations who is really good for seemingly no reason sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure they will have a winning season. Uh, again I'm sure. Because I'm Mike sure. Tomlin's still the coach. <laughs> Same kind of story with the team that I picked for my least favorite draft class here. Because for probably the fourth, fifth year in a row, the least favorite draft class for me is the New England Patriots. And they're still going to have a great season. They're probably going to win the division. <laughs> Cole Strange in the first round is acceptable. I guess if you it's love strange, him, that's for sure. Good job. If you love the player, don't let him go. I understand that. Right. I think he probably would have been available to you in the second might've been available to you in the third round. I don't know that for sure. They don't know that for sure either. Right. If they love the guy, go ahead and take him. He's a good player. Other than that pick, I don't like this draft. <laughs> and it's not even because I don't like the players. It's like the fit makes no sense to me. Cole Strange, again, makes sense. Not the guy I would have gone with, but you needed to fill that guard position. You lost Jack Mason. <laughs> so then, what are you doing getting Taekwon Thornton ahead of multiple better receivers? He is a speed guy that can't do anything else. If you're looking for that, get Calvin Austin. He's a speed guy who can run routes. Tyquan Thornton can't run routes. Um, why did you pick Bailey Zappi? I love Bailey Zappi. One. He's one of my favorite players in this class. I'm not lying to you. I love Bailey Zappi. Why did the Patriots take him? <laughs> That one made absolutely zero. That one made less sense to me than Cole Strange. You just took. He doesn't fit the organization at all. He doesn't I, fit I don't... anything that they, they, they try to do. He's like a gunslinger. 
That is not a Patriots quarterback. Unless you're somehow going to convince him to change positions, what did you waste the pick for? What are you doing? <laughs> I, also... I know. I know we shouldn't doubt Bill Belichick. Yeah. But I'm doubting Bill Belichick big time here. I also absolutely love Pierre Strong Jr. One of my favorite running backs, like towards the day three of this draft. First of all, to take him in the fourth round, once again, he would have been available to you two, three rounds later. But regardless, how does he fit this team? And why are you drafting a guy in the fourth round to be your fourth running back? That really doesn't make sense to me. Don't you already have 83 running backs on the roster? You go through one a week, so why are you drafting one in the first place? (laughs) Both of these teams, the Steelers and the Patriots, they're good all the time, and they make some questionable moves at the time. And somehow it all ends up working out, so we'll see what happens. We're probably completely wrong. Uh, maybe I said I liked the New York Jets draft and hated the Patriots draft. You know the Patriots are going to win another 20 Super Bowls in the next 20 years. Yeah. And the Jets are going to lose every game for the next 10 seasons. So, Yeah, yeah you uh, you got to think uh, think about what we just said there because we know that's exactly how it's going to fucking go. Like it's... <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> Fun to talk about the draft, though. I love the draft. It is. And, you know, I do want to look at, you know, we, honorable mentions, you've got a ton of ton of guys, a ton of teams listed here. I really want to look at two. One of them, obviously, is going to be the Bears. The other one's going to be Miami. For Tug, it's his birthday. He's not yeah. here to do it. Let's do it for him. They Let's drafted start. Tyreek Hill in the first and second round. That's cool. What a draft. Absolutely right? phenomenal. In the same vein, the Broncos killed it. Drafting Russell Wilson, perfect. <laughs> Absolutely insane. Dolphins only ended up with four players. Channing Tindall out of Georgia, which, by yeah. the way, this was – I think Georgia broke the record for most players taken in a single draft. They did, 15. That's absolutely insane based off of one year. Right. One year. This team was building for a while. All right, don't, don't take it as like I'm – you know, saying, oh, they only had one good year. Right, okay. Let's let's calm. Calm down there. Inside linebacker out of Georgia. Then go wide receiver, Eric and fuck. Izukanma out of Texas Tech. Good Cameron Goo sure. outside outside linebacker out of California. And then most interestingly, Skylar Thompson, the quarterback from Kansas State. Yeah. This one raised some eyebrows too, much like taking a Bailey Zappi for the Patriots. Why are why are the Dolphins taking a quarterback here? Well, seventh round, you're looking for a camp guy, most likely. You're looking for a uh you're looking for a practice squad quarterback. <laughs> Generally. Making sure you get the guy that fits your system rather than waiting to see who's available as a UDFA. Skylar Thompson, to me, fits that mold pretty well. That's kind of exactly what the Dolphins would be looking for. So to get him in the seventh makes sense to me. He's not going to compete for a starting job or anything. But you know, Cameron Good is actually a pretty good player. Pun. You're welcome. Um, 
yeah, I liked, I liked all four of the Dolphins picks. It's absolutely wild to me that they only had four picks, but yeah. Um, the other draft that Buck had mentioned here, the Chicago Bears, they made more picks than the Dolphins did, but they still don't have first round picks. Uh, I do love Kyler Gordon, Jaquan Brisker building up that secondary. I really, really wish they would have taken a receiver at some point. You know, Velas Jones is, I'm sure you've heard by now, Velas Jones is 25 years old as a rookie. That's wild. And he was also the only receiver that you took. Interesting. Interesting decision. I love the Braxton Jones pick, though. I love the Dominique Robinson pick. I love the Doug Kramer pick. I mean, they had some some very good selections here. Um, focusing on the secondary made a lot of sense, but I wish they would have done something more than Velas Jones. I I agree, and when they took Velas Jones, it cut deep in a couple of ways. One, you're going to take a fast wide receiver. Why you got to take the one from Tennessee, right? Right. <laughs> Calvin Austin was on the board. Obviously, that hurt. I I there were more wide receivers to pick from besides Austin and Bayless Jones, right? They could have gone a couple different ways. This was, we've talked about previously how deep this wide receiver draft was. I would have liked to have seen them take more wide receivers. I'm not in the camp that they needed to spend time taking wide receivers in the second round when they had their first couple picks. I think this was actually a good move. Build up that defense because we had to build up the offensive line in Chicago too, right? They need offensive linemen. They need to protect Justin Fields. This is going to be a whole new system anyway. Give Darnell Mooney a real chance to show what he can do as a number one. Byron Pringle's a serviceable number two. They've made a couple other offseason moves for wide receivers. You added a fullback in the offseason. You've got some running backs. Uh, the running back they took, I just closed out of it because I heard you talking, saying names. I figured you talked about them, so that's my fault. I anticipate he will probably be a replacement to uh, the the role that Tariq Cohen really played in that offense when he was on the team. I actually didn't mention Tristan Ebner, but, you know. There you go. He's, he's all right. <laughs> yeah, so I overall they had a ton of picks, and finally getting into that seventh, sixth, seventh round, that's when they started to take flyers on guys to maybe get a little more protection for Justin Fields. This defense needed help, though, right? And it doesn't matter if Justin Fields scores 100 points if the defense gives up 200. Right. right. Next year, this upcoming year, you, of course, want to see improvement from your first-round quarterback. Next year is going to be the real year where you are going to be like, all right, we're drafting to try and get him more weapons, try and help him out. If he doesn't improve – we need to start trying to figure out maybe we need to change course, get a new quarterback in here. You know, we got a fourth year with him for sure. That might be, again, the way the Bears have operated. That fourth year, if they aren't sure they're going to, ex- you know, exercise your fifth-year option by then, you better have a damn near Hall of Fame season in year four. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I overall did not hate the Bears draft. I do understand some of the complaints with it. We'll just have to wait and see how it, how it turns out. You had that many picks as first draft for GM Ryan Poles. A lot of positives. 
Definitely some negatives too, though. I don't know if you caught me saying I absolutely love Braxton Jones. I love that pick. Um, I wanted to shout out the Kansas City Chiefs, and I don't even really care past the first four picks that they had. They had two first-round picks, two second-round picks. All four of them were incredible. Uh, Trent McDuffie, George Karloftis, Brian Cook, and Sky Moore. How in the world they got Sky Moore, I don't know. (laughs) And this kind of goes back to what we were talking about, not just on draft night, but all throughout this show, the COVID years of eligible you know they added eligibility meant that this draft was the deepest we've seen ever really and it it, that was the crazy thing is it didn't even when you look at the raw talent and ability of sky Moore, it was weird he was picked up picked as late as he was when you look at everybody else that's still on the board you're like kind of makes sense (laughs) no (laughs) i know i even though i even love the chiefs seventh round pick Isaiah Pacheco, running back out of Rutgers. I've seen him in action a couple of times. He's pretty darn good. And probably better than any other running back you have on the roster right now. Let's be real. Clyde Edwards Hilaire is not that good. But mm-hmm. <laughs> um, also, Baltimore Ravens always, always feel like they do a fantastic job at the draft. Uh, waiting, picking up Kyle Hamilton, uh, getting Tyler Linderbaum, getting one of the best edge rushers in the class, and David Ojabo makes total sense for them. They can wait on his injury. He can come back and dominate because, of course, he will. Travis Jones is such a Ravens pick, dude. I know he's out of Connecticut, but at the same time, he's a legit nose tackle. He makes so much sense for them. He's probably the only guy in Connecticut from Connecticut from the past four years that's worth a draft pick. So it was very interesting. They did take two tight ends in the fourth round. Charlie Kohler, Isaiah Likely. I like them both. I like them both. And I know they have Mark Andrews, but also they got rid of Hollywood Brown. They're going to run a bunch of three tight end sets. Going to have J.K. Dobbins back there again. And this this team's gonna be amazing. We might we might see the uh, we might see some more option plays, more pitch option plays uh, coming in the future into the NFL. And Daniel Falele out of Minnesota, like a developmental tackle prospect. At the same time, one of those guys that everyone agrees he has incredible upside. If you're going to take a team that you want to develop a player, it would probably be the Baltimore Ravens. They're great at that all the time. So it was also funny to me watching some teams try to dra- trade up above the Ravens in order to take Alabama players because it's obvious that they're going to take an Alabama player whenever they can. <laughs> <laughs> Only one they ended up getting this time was Jalen Armour Davis in the fourth round. They had four fourth-round picks, by the way. Wild. One of them was a punter, too. But uh, (laughs) they had more than that. They had one, two, three, four, five, six fourth-round picks, actually. Who got a Raza? Um, That is a good question. I don't remember. I know we we got drafted. The Bills did. The Bills. That's right. Um, Apparently... Speaking of Matt Ariza, 
Apparently he was very much overrated by the media, and I'm guilty of that too. I love big legs. <laughs> if you can punt the ball 60 yards and do it a couple of times in a year, I think you're one of the best punters of all time. Uh, that's not the way punting works. <laughs> so Jordan Stout being taken first of the punters makes sense to real NFL people. Um, Jake Camarda <laughs> going above Matariza makes sense. Trenton Gill was in the same range as Matt Ariza. So the fact that the Bears got him in the seventh and the Bills took Ariza in the sixth, actually kind of good value. Trenton Gill, he was a good punter, I agree. So that's so actually the only finally only... met the end of the road for the Bears. So it makes sense they would go and try and draft a guy. Yeah. Um, I also liked what the Bengals did at the top of the draft. They, of course, didn't take offensive line in the first round, but Daxon Hill is kind of exactly what they needed. They got a bunch of free agency help on the offensive line. Go and fix the back end of that defense because kind of equal blame on the secondary and on the offensive line for why you lost the Super Bowl. So go get you a player like Daxon Hill who can play over the top, can play in the slot, can do all sorts of things, can help on the boundary. That is perfect fit for the Bengals. Can we talk about the fact that the Seahawks actually went and did the thing? They drafted an offensive tackle, number nine. I'm still in shock from that. More than one, too. Yeah. Unreal. You know, maybe maybe if you do that, then, you know, Russell Wilson doesn't want to leave because he's not scared for his life behind that offensive line or offensive line, you know? Yeah, the great offensive line with the Seattle Seahawks. No, they Charles Cross, Abraham Lucas, I think they can both be starters this year, legitimately. You have your left tackle in the first round. You got your right tackle in the third round. Beautiful. Beautiful. Love to see it. And they drafted a running back, too, didn't they? They sure good. did. Kenneth Walker the third by the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, based on that, I would have to assume that Rashad Penny's days are numbered in Seattle. When you get hurt as much as he's gotten hurt in Seattle, that's what concerns me with Kenneth Walker III going up there. Yeah. You don't want to see that happen to a guy that does have some promise to him, even if it was, you know, a small sample size. Pete Carroll might be able to tap into that a little bit more and really turn him into something amazing. But if he's getting hurt because of something with the weight or with the rain and the turf, whatever it is, Rashad Penny's had to deal with it his whole career and it has not worked out for him. Same thing with Chris Carson. Man, I, I hope it's it doesn't become a trend up in Seattle. I hope we don't see the same thing happen with Kenneth Walker the third. Couldn't agree more. I wish him the best, but we'll see what happens. And I'm sure they're gonna be relying on him a lot more than they would have if Russell Wilson were still there. Uh, yeah, Drew Locke. I'd, I'd, I'd rather hand it off than throw the ball at Drew Locke. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised they didn't take a quarterback. <laughs> well, I'm surprised the quarterbacks didn't go until like the third round. So, yeah, when, you know. when was it when Malik Willis went? Late second round. Third round. It was the third, third round, round of the Tennessee Titans. Yep. Which interesting. By the way, we haven't talked about that yet. 
are Tannehill's days numbered from this? I don't I don't know what to make of this one. This is I don't think so. This is equally confusing as the Patriots taking Bailey Zappi. I mean, I, I guess it makes sense. I don't think anybody. I think this one actually makes it. more sense to me than the Zappy pick because I would I would say it based off of what you have seen so far. It looks like Mac Jones is your guy for a long time. Yeah. Ryan Tannehill is in his mid thirties now. I mean, that's true. He was also probably the reason that you lost your playoff game. So it kind of makes some sense. You had an opportunity to, to take who most people consider to be the best highest ceiling quarterback prospect in this class take a shot it's the third round it makes sense to me yeah yeah (laughs) the press conference where ryan Tannehill said it's not my job to coach this guy got people talking a lot more than they would have otherwise see and you say (laughs) that but then kurt warder's out here saying like no i if I'm the quarterback on the team, even if I'm old, my job is to play quarterback. His job is to take the job from me. I'm not here to mentor him. That's He's the like, exact if, if he wants a, said. No, he said if he wants a mentor, he can call me. He doesn't need to have Ryan Tannehill be his mentor. Basically. He didn't exactly say Ryan Tannehill, but that's essentially what he said. That is almost the exact opposite of what he said. He said, I, he, said he, he will never understand the sentiment of – you know, not coaching up the guys behind you. You make the entire team better when you mentor your own guys. That's what he said. Well, let's find the exact tweet here because it is not the way you described it. Maybe I just, I will never understand. I'll never understand the, I'm not here to mentor the next guy mentality. Okay. So yeah, I misread Yeah. Yeah. And there are a lot of people in his comments like, you know, why would you train the guy who's trying to replace you? And he's like, it makes the whole team better. Iron sharpens iron, right? That kind of mentality here. If you work together and you actually improve together, that helps the team overall. And if you're that insecure in your job in the first place, then are you really the leader of the locker room to begin with? That's a question and a half right there. And I don't know if Brian Tannehill is the leader of that team. I would say it's probably more oh, Derrick Hanhold. Henry. Yeah, Brian Tannehill's not the leader <laughs> of that team, and he's been fighting for his job the whole time he's been there. Right? He's not. He's not some amazing quarterback, no matter what anybody wants to try and say he is. He I has proven himself, as I've always said. And I said at the beginning of the show. I'm saying it again right here. Put an NFL level talent in the right position to succeed. They will do very well. That's Ryan Tannehill right now. This is the perfect situation for him. He throws it fewer times a game than he was asked to do before. He has an incredible running back. And, yeah, he's doing very well in that situation. Of course he is. That's the situation that fits him best. I don't know. <laughs> I I don't hate the I'm not going to mentor the next guy mentality, though. One I thing get what I Kurt did. Warner's saying. I do. I don't hate the mentality, though. Come win the job right. from me. If you if Desmond Ritter wins the job from him and he stills like still has that attitude, then I gotta question it. But if you're in a competition, or not Desmond Ritter, Desmond Ritter is going to the Falcons. 
Malik Willis. If Malik Willis wins the job from him and you're still having that, I was going to stop you. It's okay. <laughs> I have Desmond Ritter pulled up because I was I couldn't remember where he went. But if you still have that attitude after you lose your job, that's when you have a problem. That's fair. That's fair. I will say one thing that I absolutely loved about the Tennessee Titans draft was actually after the draft, Nicholas Petit Frere was their first third round pick, uh, former offensive tackle for Ohio State. And he was asked how, what he was looking forward to. Was he looking forward to uh, blocking for Derrick Henry? His quote was from Nicholas Petit Frere. His quote was, uh, "Oh my gosh, it is unbelievable! I can't wait to meet him, and I hope we become best friends." <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh man, love the guy. <laughs> that might be. That's a that's an unsung gem of the NFL draft for sure. <laughs> oh man, but uh, yeah, Desmond Ritter going to the Falcons. Pretty interesting situation there. Very similar style of quarterback to Marcus Mariota, honestly. So makes perfect sense. A lot of the same kind of a skill set. Wouldn't be surprising at all to me if Desmond Ritter takes over that starting job next year. Not this season, but the next one. It'll be interesting to watch how that plays out for sure. The flip side is Mariota could have an absolute renaissance in his game and take the league by storm. Is he going to do it with the Falcons? I don't know. But right. as long as he's got a guy like Cordero Patterson in that offense to dump the ball off to, hand it off to, or shit, line him out in the slot, anything's really possible. Can you imagine Marcus Mariota with Derrick Henry? How great he would have been. <laughs> Unreal. And, and, and he looked great in the packages that they had him in, in Vegas right. last year. That, right. And that I think had a lot of people that had a lot of people, you know, kind of looking like saying maybe, maybe there is more to Marcus Mariota than we originally thought. It, it was very specific plays, very specific positions, kind of like how we saw Justin Fields getting worked in at the beginning of the season. Everybody was like, yeah. okay, you know, this might work. Maybe this and will then, be the right situation for yeah. Mariota because it absolutely wasn't the right right position for Fields uh, with the way things shook out last year. Well, the way uh, that the rest of the roster basically abandoned the team halfway through the season and nobody was stop, nobody stop, no, you're hurting me. Everybody stopped playing football in Chicago for a while there. Oh man, <laughs> I'm ready to be hurt again, but not right now. <laughs> Well, I think that's going to wrap up our discussion. Um, we will be talking a lot more about this kind of stuff in the next couple of weeks. I want to do an entire off-season grades conversation with you guys for each and every team. So if we did talk about your team's draft right here, this was just a quick reaction of some of the things that we loved, some of the things that we noticed off the bat. But we will go a little bit more in-depth on each and every single team in the next coming couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that. Make sure you follow us, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We live stream on Twitch. All those links have been at the bottom of the screen scrolling through if you're watching us. And, of course, patreon.com slash football if you're so inclined. We would appreciate it very much. Join our Discord server. Um, am I forgetting anything? Anything else we should mention? 
Uh, you know, we got a website too, bdtfootball.com, or you could email us your questions if you're an audio listener and you're not going to be able to catch the show live, mailbox at bdtfootball.com. Twitter, of course, is at bdtfootball. Facebook is facebook.com backslash bdtfootball. And Instagram is bdt underscore football. Uh, for underscore. whatever reason, we couldn't get the... Uh, <laughs> Couldn't get just BDT football there. So that's all you got to remember. If you do want to check out our Twitch and you're an audio listener, it's twitch.com backslash big dudes in the trenches. All one word. Go check us out there. Uh, we are still trying to figure out a schedule to put out football gaming content as well on top of the podcast. We'll get there. We'll get there. I, I keep talking about it. We did. I did a little bit of mutant football league in the past. Maybe we'll get back into that here soon. I don't want to make a promise one way or another, but you know, if you you go check out the check out the Twitch, I'm be be uh, more inclined to do so, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I want to leave us with a question: Why does it take pirates a long time to learn the alphabet? Because they spend years at sea. Are we doing Tug's thing? Hell no. Get the fuck out of here. (laughs) Peace out, Girl Scout. Y'all have a good one. We'll see you next week.